here's what I know about human beings. Okay. Here's what I know about human beings, and you know it too. It, it is it is almost a universal constant. It's a it's an understood precept that at the end of the day, we want to be content people. We want to be content people. It doesn't matter how driven you are. It doesn't matter how energized you are. It doesn't matter uh, how type A you are. It doesn't matter how many dreams you have. It doesn't matter how accomplished you are or how accomplished you want to be and will be deep down in the seat of our soul more than anything else in this life. We want to feel a sense of contentment, a deep level, soul level satisfaction, a, a great desire to to actually be settled in the body and the mind and the life that we have. But contentment is complex, isn't it? Because for you to be content, guess what? You, you must actually be satisfied in the life that you've been given. For you to actually be content, you have to be satisfied in the life that you've been given. And it's complex. It's complex because there is this gnawing hunger. You know what I'm talking about. This gnawing hunger deep inside that, that says more, more, more. It doesn't matter what we get. It doesn't matter what we do. It doesn't matter what we buy. It doesn't matter where we go. It doesn't matter what we own. It doesn't matter if we finally got the person that we've been chasing forever. Something inside still says more. I want more. It's a gnawing hunger. In fact, in a lighter moment, as I was preparing this message, I found myself singing this old rock song that I feel captures this sentiment so well. And I told the team, I said, if I, if I sing it, I don't think they're going to sing it with me because they're not built like that. And, and they were like, no, 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 they'll do it, they'll do it. So prove me wrong today. I can't get no I can't get no But I try And I try And I try And I try I can't get no No, no, no Y'all know what I'm talking about it's, it's so clear. You know that one? You're too young, man. That was, that was when you were still in diapers. It really captures so clearly the conflict in our soul, doesn't it? It encapsulates it. In fact, if you read the the rest of the lyrics, he goes through all of the different mechanisms of life from the radio to the television to the political newsman to his job and to the women. He goes through everything and he says, I keep going and I keep going and I keep going and I keep going and I keep trying and I keep striving and I keep touching and I keep digging and I keep working. Only to find that the hunger says more. It says more. I'm not satisfied. Yet, you see, that's the dilemma that you and I have. The dilemma that you and I have is, is we have a desire. We, we have a scratch, an itch rather, a, a desire that, that, that simply cannot be scratched. It, it, it cannot be fulfilled by the temporary things in this world, but we keep trying to make it fit. And how does it leave us feeling? Frustrated. 
discontented, unfulfilled? Or as my lovely wife said when I was running my message by her, I said, when, when you hear all of these things, what does it make you feel? She said, it makes me just feel tired. Anybody tired in the house today? Just tired of the striving, tired of feeling like chasing satisfaction is going to be this never-ending marathon. And that's just wrong. You shouldn't feel that way. You shouldn't, ha listen, you shouldn't have to feel that way. Every single person should be able to feel fulfilled. Every single person should be able to feel contented. Every single person should be able to feel satisfied deep in their souls. And believe me, I know the chase. I know it. I chase satisfaction in Girls, I chase satisfaction at the bottom of bottles. I chase satisfaction in academic accomplishment. I chase satisfaction in athletic accomplishment. I chase satisfaction. I'm sorry you have to hear this today, mom and dad, going 130 miles an hour down the highway on one wheel on a motorcycle. I made it. <laughs> and every daring adventure, every new mountain, every new accomplishment, my soul was still longing. In fact, thinking of my own story reminded me of the words of Bernhard Langer. He was a great golfer in his generation, won the U.S. Masters twice, was at the top of the world on one occasion, and, and he's recorded as saying this. He says, I had won seven events in five different continents. I was number one in the world. Now, many of us can say that. And I had a beautiful young wife. And yet there was something missing. You can find this interview. He said, the lifestyle we all, especially as sportsmen, are leading, it's all about money and who you are and who you know and what you have. And these things, they aren't really the most important things. I think people who have these things, they realize that there is something still missing in their life. And I believe it's Jesus Christ. We see it every day. Listen, that's why guys can't retire. Tom Brady won more championships than any quarterback in history and can't leave the game. You lost a supermodel for a subpar season. Good on you, my boy. Why can't he retire? Why couldn't Brett Favre retire until his leg literally stopped working? I love LeBron, but bro, it's time. You're not going to play with your own son. Why? Because the hunger says more. You're not going to find it anywhere else. If you stop, who will you be? That's what we're facing, family. We're on a journey to satisfy our soul. We're on a journey to try and find a depth of satisfaction. And eventually I learned the secret, just as Bernhardt did. Jesus is the one that provides complete satisfaction. You see, that emptiness that Bernhardt is describing is common to all humanity. In fact, I remember talking to one of my buddies years ago. Uh, he played ball as well, went much farther than I did. He was a, a, a all pro, made a lot of money, had all the things. And he just kept chasing and chasing and chasing and chasing. And I said, man, what are you chasing? And he said, I feel like there's a peace missing from my soul. And I keep hoping 
keep hoping the next thing will finally fill it. Now, we may have never uttered those words, but all of us, all of us have felt those feelings. And so the question is, how do we find lasting satisfaction? How do we become a contented person? How do we find satisfaction for our souls? Well, if you open up with me to the Bible notes or to the book of John, if you have an old school Bible, Jesus is recorded by his friend John as making a profound statement. He says, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Now, bread, as you know, is considered a staple food. Unless you're on Atkins, keto, paleo, or some other horrible thing that I have to do just to stay alive. Please do. If y'all would just pray for my healing so I could eat bread, I would appreciate that so very much. Bread is essential to life. Bread, bread is ubiquitous to human life. A person can survive a long time on only bread and water. We know that. In fact, bread is so ubiquitous to humanity that church folk, now I know everybody here ain't a church folk, but church folk, if we say we're going to get together and have dinner, what do we call it? Breaking bread. And in the culture from which Jesus sprung, bread was key to their story. It played an integral part in their Passover meal. And in Exodus 16, 4, you can read it for yourself. When they journeyed through the desert for 40 years, God literally made bread rain from the sky. And this is relevant, all of this. I'm not just talking about bread because of the Oprah commercial. All of this is relevant to the scene that we enter today in John chapter 6. It's relevant to the conversation that is laid out before us. You see, the context for Jesus saying, I am the bread of life, is a dialogue that he was having between himself and several people who had just witnessed a miracle. And in their exchange, three things surfaced that I think are helpful for us to consider as we learn the secret of leaning into Jesus for total satisfaction. John starts in verse 22, and he says, On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. John brings us back into the scene after the miracle feeding of uh, what you may call the feeding of the 5,000 and was actually closer to the feeding of the 20,000 from a, a box of Jiffy cornbread mix and five cans of sardines, right? He, he fed all all of these people in the Bible says 5,000, but that's because only the men were counted. If you throw in the women and children, Jesus fed close to 20,000 people with five loaves and some fish. And then as all, you know, good godly people do, he walked away from the scene on water. I'm sure that was a sight to see. And so the next day they come and they look for him and they see that, that this boat, does not contain the disciples it only, or Jesus. It only contains the disciples. And they're looking everywhere for Jesus but did not see him. In fact, John tells us that other boats came from Tiberias to the place where they had eaten the bread and they were looking on the boat saying, is he on this one? Is he on this one? Is he coming on this one? And finally they realized that Jesus was not coming on any of these boats that they were looking to. And so instead, they got into boats themselves and they went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they catch up to Jesus, he takes a moment to teach them a lesson. 
First, he chastises them, as Jesus often did. First, he chastises them for only seeking him for a free lunch. And then he tells them, in verse 27, do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. In other words, do not expend yourself. Do not expend your energy. Do not expend your mind. Do not expend your emotions. Do not expend your passion. Do not expend your power. Do not expend your purpose chasing after things that will ultimately deteriorate. That's what Jesus is saying. Don't wear yourself. I love the, the message version. I know some of us are too holy to read it, but I love the message version. It says, don't wear yourself out chasing after things that eventually deteriorate. In fact, Jesus implies that you are looking for me not because of the incredible miracle that you saw, which should have been your proof that I am indeed the Savior of the world. But you are looking for me because you had a good lunch yesterday and you're hoping to have another today. You are looking for me so that you can get more material satisfaction from me. And so much of what's wrong today in Western Christianity is that sentiment still remains. Jesus is not your genie. And proximity to him is not so that we can have more material property. Proximity to him is so that we can be saturated with his presence. That's what Jesus is trying to get across to them. And, and here he exposes a truth for all of us to engage. Listen, stop looking to temporary things to satisfy eternal longings. You know that's what the disconnect is. Stop looking to temporary things to satisfy eternal longings. Your existence is not limited to the material world. Your existence is not limited to sustenance or entertainment or even physical health. That is not the limitation of your existence. You are more than that. Everything in this world, Jesus says, is going to spoil. You know the food waste problem we have in the U.S.? I'm not trying to get political. I'm just telling it how it is. We buy too much and we throw away a lot. Why? Because food spoils. It's not meant to last forever. It's meant to be eaten and digested. Either way, it's meant to eventually be eliminated. Everything in this world will spoil or rust or break or go out of style or for those of us who are a little more metropolitan, go out of season. Okay? Y'all remember them snap shirts with crosses and designs on? Okay? Anybody here old enough to remember wearing Jenkos? Right? Purple Jabot jeans? Oh, there we go. We got, we got Patrick Ewing tennis shoes. Out of style gone 
Remember shopping at the buckle? Does anybody still go to the buckle? You got to say it like that, the buckle? For some lucky shirts and some lucky jeans? I don't know what it was, but I hope it was good. The point that I'm making is everything's going to go away eventually. Everything, listen, everything that you own will end up in a landfill. So what is Jesus saying? Cars, Christmas presents, boats and ball caps, barbecue accessories, stereos and stuff that fills our home. They will end up in a landfill eventually. Listen, we have an entire industry here set aside to hold the things we have that we can't hold in our own house. Think about that. Have so much stuff that you can't have it in your own house? Come and see us, and we will keep it in a tiny house that you will never visit, and that one day will be auctioned to a stranger who will find among your many treasures worn-out socks that you just couldn't bring yourself to throw away. It will all go away eventually. Jesus says, stop living for the landfill. Stop living for the landfill. Stop living for the, and I'm not against nice things. Listen, you want to flex, flex. It's not about them being good or bad, wrong or not. It's ultimate or not. Are these things ultimate to you? Are they everything? Don't labor for that. Don't labor for that. Instead, labor for that which does not perish, that which endures for eternity. But they don't understand what Jesus is saying. You can read the story for yourself. They turn the conversation back on him and ask how they can earn what it is that God is offering. First mistake. And then they ask Jesus for a sign to prove that he's from God as if walking across water simply did not cut it or feeding all of them from a basket of one kid's lunch. Show us a sign. Show us a sign. They tell Jesus that God gave them bread and their ancestors. So whatever you're talking about, We've seen that already. God gave me bread and my ancestors when they were wandering through the desert. And Jesus just listens. You know how patient Jesus is with us? He just listens. But he never gets off mission. He turns to them and says, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. But what you need to ask for It's not bread to fill your belly. What you need to ask for is the bread of life that changes everything. That bread from heaven that brings true life. That's what you need to ask for. And they respond as you would expect. Sir, give us this bread always. They've just walked into a Jesus trap. Anybody else ever walked into a Jesus trap? I'm standing in my biggest Jesus trap right now. 
I'm never going up there. The, the Braves are sellouts downtown forever. Jesus trap. Never say what you're not going to do. That's when you walk squarely into a Jesus. This free game today now. The moment you say you're not going to do it, that's the moment God is like, <laughs> you're in the suburbs now. And people look at you like, he don't belong here. And you look back at them like, I know. They walked into a Jesus trap. Give us this bread always, sir. And that's the way I imagine it. I imagine he was like, I is the bread. <laughs> I am the bread. What you're asking for, that's me. I'm him. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And this statement is phenomenal. Because what Jesus is declaring in this moment is that he is not an addendum to a life that you've already solved. He is essential to life. He's not an add-on to your ideology. He is not an answer to your need and silent when you don't need him. He is essential to life. That is what he's saying. I'm everything. I'm your nourishment. I'm your deepest satisfaction. That's what he's saying. I can fulfill those deep longings. It can all be found in me and you will never be hungry again and you will never be thirsty again. Now, of course, just like when he raised Lazarus from the dead, y'all know Lazarus died again. So he's not literally saying you'll never want a sandwich. What he's saying is that gnawing hunger, that unending thirst that drives you to rooms that you know you shouldn't be in and makes you say things that you know you shouldn't say and makes you do things that you regret ever doing. That gnawing hunger, that unending thirst that makes you cast aside your convictions for convenience. If you would come to me, that dies forever. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. He extends an invitation to see him as the source of all satisfaction. And that puts everything else in its place. That puts everything else in its place. Now again, we're not ascetic here. We're not monastic. I'm not anti-material world or material things. We're not Gnostics. I know that was three unnecessarily large words, but you have Google. We're, we're none of those things. Okay? We don't believe that everything material is inherently evil. Listen, you're not going to die and sit on a cloud and play a harp as an angel baby for all eternity. That's not the end. Revelation 21, and then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. So whatever it's going to be, it's going to be like this, but free of sin and pain and sorrow and tears and mourning and brokenness. So materialness is not evil. It's just not ultimate. It's just not ultimate. It 
can't fulfill our total satisfaction. Listen, if you want to be married, I pray that you find a man or a woman to love you for the rest of your life. And if you don't want to be married, I pray that you are the healthiest, happiest single that ever existed. I pray that you get a job that meets all of your needs and actually allows you to be incredibly generous on top of that for the end breaking of the kingdom. I pray that you have great friends. I pray that you have a home that you live in. But the moment those things sit on the seat of your heart and become ultimate, then they take the place of Jesus and the hunger, the hunger remains. I wish somebody would have told me when I was a single man that marriage is not the goal of life. Marriage is not wrong, it's right, very right. But it's not the goal of life. Being successful is not the goal of life. That's not the end. And Jesus is saying that if you treat these things as ultimate, the hunger will never go away. I will never be satisfying enough. But if you put these things in their place, then you will find total satisfaction in me. But that requires a shifting of our frame of mind. And it kind of brings us at the end back to where we started in the beginning. You see, the third and final thing that Jesus wants them and us to see is to see ourselves as more than mind and body. In order for you to not see this as ultimate, you have to first see yourself as more than this. You have to see yourself as more than mind and body. And so what does he do? He sets up a contrast. He contrasts what he brings as their Messiah with the bread that he miraculously created the day before. The bread that he created the day before, it was a physical bread. And eventually that physical bread, if you don't eat it, it will have worms in it. Okay, but me, Jesus says, I'm spiritual bread that brings eternal life. Now, how can he make such a bold claim? Well, look at the statement. Don't miss it. This is the first of seven I am statements in John's gospel. And that's how he can make a, such a bold claim because he begins it with I am. Now you think it to yourself, well, why is that so significant, Pastor? Well, because if you turn back to the book of Exodus, you'll find a story about a man named Moses. And Moses, well, Moses had some problems. Okay, he was a, he was a, a third nation child. He was a Hebrew raised as an Egyptian. He was trying to figure out his identity. He saw his people being abused one day. He killed the dude. Okay, we did a series called The Magnificent Seven. If you think you are too messed up for God to work in and through you, go listen to that series. He killed a man, ran away. The Lord comes to him in the desert one day out of nowhere and starts talking to him out of a bush. Again, my imagination works great. I hope yours does too. I just imagine Moses looking at the bush like, man, is that bush talking? Aaron, you playing with me? And the bush, well, the bush on fire, but the bush not burning. And the bush, and the bush just told me to take my shoes off. <clears throat> I guess I better. <laughs> and he tells Moses, I have a great work for you. You're going to go to Egypt. You're going to lead my people out of captivity. You're going to tell Pharaoh what time it is. And then you're going to lead them into the desert so that they can worship me as the living God. And Moses says, but, 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 but
I don't speak well and I, and I, and I stutter and I, and I don't know what I'm going to do. And, 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 and besides that, when I go, why would they listen to me? Who do I tell that sent me? And Yahweh says, tell them I am sent you. I am that I am. What does that mean? I am. That means I am, I was, I will be. I am sent. That's who sent you. I am sent you. Okay? The theological term for that is aseity. It means a self-sufficient existence. It means that God is not depending on anything in this world to upbuild his godness. I am. Now fast forward. Jesus has been doing his thing. He's been in the temple preaching. He's been on the streets feeding. He's been in the homes healing. He's been running up on the Pharisees capping, right? He's been doing his thing. One day I'm going to do a translation of the Bible, y'all pray. It'll be my last gift to the kingdom, right? So then Jesus walked up and he was like, blick, blick, blick. And then they were like, what? And he was like, because I am, right? That's, that's what I'm hoping for. So he's been doing his thing. So they already know that he owns something else. And so when he said, I am, they would have immediately known that he was making a claim to divinity. It's why they tried to kill him so many times. I've got some friends who are agnostics and they're atheists and they're like, well, we like the teachings of Jesus, but we don't believe he's God. Well, I said, well, that's interesting because he sure kept saying he was. And that's why they wanted to kill him. Not because he was a political uh, uh, um, dissenter, which he was, but because he kept saying over and over again, I'm God. I'm God. Me and the Father are one. When you've seen the Father, you've seen me. And when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I only do what the Father tells me to do. And one day, I'm going to invite you into the relationship between me and the Father who are one. He said it over and over again. And so when he stands there, he says, I am. What he's saying, what he's saying is I'm that same God that was talking out of the bush. I'm the same God that parted the Red Sea. I'm the same God that fed your ancestors with manna from heaven. I'm the same God that has preserved the family through these generations. I'm the same God that David is talking about in the Psalms. I'm the same God that the prophets prophesied about in the Old Testament. I'm the same God that John's been yelling about in the wilderness. I am. And because I am, listen, because I am, you are. And because I am, Jesus says, I can be your ultimate satisfaction. You see, Jesus is inviting them to see that he is offering the ultimate end to the gnawing hunger and trying to open their eyes to the realization that they, we are eternal beings. We are eternal beings. And there's a longing inside of us. That's what it is. If you've ever wondered, that's what the disconnect is. That is the button that, that maybe you haven't pressed yet. There is an eternal longing inside of you. You were made to live forever, but you're trying to live for now. In fact, our man Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes 3.11, he has made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart. 
You have eternity inside you. And so you are longing for something otherworldly, but trying to satisfy it with stuff that rusts. You are longing for something that doesn't end, but trying to satisfy that longing with things that have to end. And that's why we can't get no satisfaction. But here's the invitation of Jesus. Come, listen, listen. Come and believe. Come and believe. Not, not come and do these 10 things. Not come and take these seven steps. Not get your together and then come. No, just come. Raggedy, wore out, broke, busted, and disgusted. Just come. Come. And when you come, believe. And everything changes. Everything changes. And that gnawing hunger, that hunger, that hunger that you keep laying on to your spouse to be more for you than they were ever meant to be. That hunger you keep laying on your children to be more for you than they were ever meant to be. That hunger you keep laying on your pastors to be more to you than they were ever meant to be your friends, your family. Why? Because we're trying to put the weight of eternal longings onto temporary people. I could go down the line, but you know it already. The only way to satisfy the hunger is to find satisfaction in Jesus. Come and believe. It is why he died in our place for our sin. It is why he rose in power so that we could come boldly to the throne room of grace and be received by our Father. Come and believe. In fact, I wrote this little prayer that I've been meditating on for a couple of weeks and, and I hope you would I hope you would take a picture or write it down or pull it out of the Bible app event and I hope you would pray it now quietly to your heart and I hope you pray it every day this week maybe this month until you believe it Lord God bless you I seek you today thank you that you satisfy my soul as with the richest food and quench my spiritual thirst thank you this is straight from the Psalms by the way Thank you that your love is better than life. I promise you, you pray that every day and you invite Jesus to be your total satisfaction. The hunger dies and life becomes abundant. But if you choose to continue to do it on your own terms, the hunger never dies. And it doesn't matter how far you go or how much you get. It doesn't matter. It doesn't, it won't matter. Look, look at somebody. I'm telling guys, I'm telling you. 
I've been to the top and I still felt empty. It wasn't until I met a man <laughs> who told me everything I had ever done and loved me was I ever truly satisfied. What if today, what if today is the day that you choose total satisfaction over temporal pleasure? Your life will never be the same.